Hello, everyone, and welcome to DataFem, where we engage you with stories of how innovators across the globe are using data to achieve new heights in their respective industries. I'm Danielle, founder of Decayo Data, and I'm excited today to present you with the second installment of a wonderful content project that I've done with OntoText. If you haven't yet listened to the first episode in this series called In Pursuit of Messy Knowledge that was released in December 2023, a few months ago, I would suggest you do that because we do make some references. And though we do have two new guests on our panel, Doug Kimball, the CMO of Ontotex, and of course myself, are the common threads between the first episode and this one which I'm excited to say will explore the role of LLMs and knowledge graphs, specifically as they pertain to the healthcare industry and the research and development that goes into making drugs that could improve the lives of patients significantly. So without further ado, let's get to our episode. Okay, wonderful. Well, it's really, really exciting to have you back, Doug, and then have two new guests with us, Sam Isdale and Martina. So I'm going to have you intro yourself. But first, I just want to say to the audience that this is a continuation of the episode, the panel that you all love that we did before the end of 2023, where we talked a lot about messy knowledge, as you remember in the title, and gave you a nice rundown of what knowledge graphs do and how they can really mimic how the human brain thinks and brings in information naturally. Let's introduce everybody and get into the meat of what Martina does at OntoText and go from there. Sounds good, Daniel. Always happy to be back. Uh, appreciate the audience for tuning in and listening to this. Uh, Doug Kimball, the Chief Marketing Officer at OntoText. We are a, a semantic knowledge graph company. And what that really means is basically we help uh, companies connect the dots of their data to get more information and to your point to uh, try to unmessify, there's a new word for you, unmessify messy data and make it more valuable. And I'm joined by uh, two of our stars, uh, Sam Isdale and Martina. And Sam, please uh, take it away. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Samantha Isdale, a marketing director in North America, and super excited to be here chatting today and really leaning into knowledge graphs and, and going deeper into target discovery, which is a really incredible solution that Ontotext offers. So thanks for having us and thanks everyone for tuning in. Hi, everybody. Also on my end, my name is Martina Markova. I'm business analyst and product manager at our life sciences and healthcare department here at Ontotext. 
And what we do is to help biotech and pharma companies derive insights faster and easier from large volumes of biomedical data. I think that's so cool that you have a life sciences department. Um, that's kind of new for me. I, I talk to a lot of companies, but I haven't really met somebody who actually works in life sciences at a data company. And that's exciting. Yeah. One of the things I just think is so cool about it is if you put it in, and one of the things we always struggle with when it comes to talking about graph technology is putting it into practical terms. In other words, we have this really cool and amazing, powerful database with a lot of domain knowledge, but drug discovery, target discovery makes it real. I think that's just one of the fascinating parts about it is that we can turn this into value as opposed to just data. Exactly. And to continue on what Doug just said is that the special thing about our department is that we actually have biologists and bioinformaticians working together with us so that we can deliver more value and really understand what our customers care about and what their problems are. And this is a step that combined with our tech expertise, so together with data scientists, data engineers, and software developers, we can actually deliver end solutions that are closer to the scientists, to the research people out there who do the actual work at the end of the day allowing everyone to speak the same language. I love it. So we will definitely go into target discovery for people who don't know what that is in a bit. But first, I do want to pick up where we kind of left off. We were talking about LLMs as a buzzword and how the LLMs compare to knowledge graphs as different ways of organizing, but two things that can be Put together. So let's elaborate on that. Why do LLMs have so much buzz? Is this buzz going to last to the next conference cycle? Doug, I want to get your opinion on this, then we can go around. Sure. I mean, I hope it lasts because we're putting together material around it for our conferences. So yeah, I think so. Why do they have so much buzz? I think it's because LLMs have helped bring the understanding of answering questions by using massive amounts of data into a very simplistic process. Anybody who can ask a question can now, whether they realize it or not, query huge amounts of connected or disconnected data in order to get an answer to a question. It may not always be a clear or the right answer, but they can still get an answer to a question. So when you look at just making it available, data available, knowledge and information available to people, uh, now you're making it more human as opposed to just kind of stuff in the world of the, of the the data geeks. That makes sense. And without giving away too much of your conference content in advance, what are you putting together with LLMs that also highlights knowledge graphs and how do they work together? How do they complement each other in a composite strategy? I'll take a quick part of that, but I want Sam, because she's, she's managing most of the majority of our event strategies to also weigh in because she's part of that. We're shamelessly, of course, we're riding the wave. There, you know, we're, everybody is out there talking about AI, uh, but we are really continuing to focus on the fact that in order to do uh, anything with a large language model or truly anything properly around AI, you have to have that foundational data architecture in order to uh, have it properly communicate. And so we, you know, we're building things, you know, our material and our stories and our, our strategies around that. But again, Sam's nice, you're a little bit closer to the actual hands-on stuff. What's, what's your thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to some of the benefits that you mentioned that we're seeing people use out there in the real world. And even with our product GraphDB, we have the integration with LLM-backed chatbots. You can actually ask questions about your data with the knowledge graph and be able to be confident in the answers that you're going to receive because it's your data in, in the back end there. So it's really... I think being able to take a look at, okay, there's some limitations with knowledge graphs. There are some limitations with LLMs and really bringing them together. That is so valuable and may have some limitations. It just brings such a powerful solution. And again, it's being able to set your foundation with the the data that you're you're seeking and know that you're confident in the answers that you're either querying or you're looking to accelerate. Knowledge graphs can really help to provide that context and information and again, the real knowledge. So it's really awesome to be able to put those two together and, and really see the true value of your data. Just to reiterate of what Sam just said and Dirk, uh, this is particularly important for the domain of life sciences and healthcare as for years, a lot of knowledge have been gathered in a non-structured way, meaning in scientific publications, patents, clinical trials. And LLMs help actually people to extract data really in an easy way from a lot of these documents. But the knowledge graphs can also augment this process by bringing it this precision, which is extremely crucial for our domain. And I believe that this is the same for many other domains like uh, finance or uh, insurance. So this is really a huge power, um, being able to extract data easily, but also being confident in the facts and knowing that they are true. Yes, you can't have fast be the only draw to a strategy. Precision is so important. You know, just seeing the data industry evolve from my bird's eye view perspective, I've seen a lot of people sacrifice that deeper understanding and that quality control for having the next big invention for having that speed. And so it's nice to know that for life sciences, like you said, in particular, there's some quality control going on with especially sensitive data. Something Sam mentioned about the database being sort of a product. I really want to get into that concept of data and what you're building being a real product in the market and what you mean by roadmap to success. One of the benefits that we see that they're able to gain so much traction and it's really positioning it as a product is being able to streamline the data integration. And to your point, being able to do things fast is great, but we want to make sure that it's correct and we're connecting as much as we can. And one of the additional benefits that we see so many customers come to us for is around breaking down data silos and being able to handle so much of that data, connect that data and and scale. So it really helps to do so many of the things that people are looking to achieve in a scalable manner. I mentioned all this messy data for your reference earlier. With LLMs, you can pull together, like I said, a lot of different detail, but you got to have a way to make this valuable. And when you look at it from a life sciences standpoint, you have to structure the data. You have to structure 
the representation of the information so you're getting the relationships between all those different pieces of the data that's important in target discoveries case maybe genes and diseases biological processes but now we're we're integrating all that in order to deliver what martina is going to focus on which is the the target identification so we we package that or we, we make that into a product that users can just focus on getting the answers as a part of that roadmap that Sam was talking about. Probably one more thing to continue on uh, what Sam and Doug just said. Actually, breaking these silos uh, allow not just to streamline processes, but also to perform other analytics on top of the data and to, well, eventually increase the innovation potential because we can true knowledge graphs and true LLMs, not just extract data, map it together, but also extract new meaning, which would be otherwise locked within the silos. And these new insights are actually where most of the value lies. Yes, I can imagine that silos and people working in silos when it comes to healthcare might pose quite a bit of problems down the line when you have to integrate all of the data into somebody's healthcare overall. And if you've been developing in silos, just naturally some other priorities might not be taken into account. It's cool that knowledge graphs are helping that communication go on so that you don't have to backtrack later. A lot of the data about uh, things that Doug mentioned, like genes or uh, diseases or, uh, let's say, drugs, are uh, actually stored on different places. And especially in R&D processes in pharmaceutical companies, a lot of insights remain locked within these databases. So for research, it's extremely important to connect the dots in this case, to establish the relationships between what gene causes a disease and what drug can be used to address this. Um, I'm oversimplifying here a little bit, uh, but most of the knowledge, uh, especially in biology, is uh, very interconnected, and we usually think in networks. There's actually a whole discipline called systems biology uh, in that sense. So breaking silos can, on one hand side, be used to derive these new relationships and to uncover, for example, um, what do we need to do in order to better understand a pathological mechanism and what do we target so that we can truly help the patients? Um, there's also another aspect to the silos because uh, the medical domain is so vast. And this is why in our particular department, we have developed something called Link Live Data, where we prepare a lot of the most common data sets from the silos so that they are analytics and integration ready. What this means is that people working in engineering can now spend less time doing transformation, cleaning, uh, whatever these tedious tasks are, and focus more on the value that they are trying to build for their company. So no matter the use case, um, if it's, uh, say, uh, insurance in healthcare, or uh, if it's something like early drug R&D, or maybe even reporting of drug events, they can leverage this data uh, put it together in a knowledge graph in a really fast and easy manner and just start focusing on what matters most and namely the analytical part because data on its own doesn't bring the value, the interpretation of it does. This is how we actually accelerate the whole process of time to insight that is usually required when building such solutions. Also, this data is extremely complex and people need good understanding of it so that they can interconnect it in a good way. Um, this is also where our subject matter experts come in place because they map together these different entities, these different facts that we have in the different databases 
so that establishing relationships is getting easier, faster, and that, yeah, as Sam already mentioned, we can be more confident in the data that we use for the analytics later on. Martina, you said, oh, I'm, I might be oversimplifying, but I think that's a great point to kind of lean into because we have so many clients who are looking for how do they sort of simplify some of the things and the processes because they're looking to accelerate the time to market. So I think it's a great nugget to kind of lean into and share how we do kind of help to simplify that process and getting our, our clients the insights faster and being able to, to speed up the process to market. I would just add one other thing is if you simplifying the complex is very important. Uh, but with all that, you want to be sure we're creating a level of trust too, because there's all again, tons and tons of data. How do we ensure that to Martina's point, we're doing this quickly and effectively. We're also doing it accurately that we make it accurate, trustable, and, and relatively easy to get to. So trust is one of those factors that becomes very important in this whole process. And trust is definitely, or should be, the foundation for business interactions as we know it. So I'm wondering how recognizing data as a product, as something that we're packaging to market, to sell, how can that help business interactions? How can that facilitate more trust both in your specific area, Martina, and just in general, Sam and Doug, from what you've been seeing across the board? Starting off with uh, healthcare, most of the people we work with are critical thinkers, <laughs> meaning that they question all the facts that they see. And in this case, um, we help by providing clear provenance for the facts that we provide. And this is where knowledge graphs help a lot because these connections help you to discover all the sources for a particular fact so that you can be truly confident in what you're seeing as information. Apart from that, we are developing also analytics so that people can actually calculate something like a confidence score or evidence metric. And that can be used further for uh, processing of uh, different use cases, actually. And the end user can truly backtrack which facts are really well known which can we trust versus which are kind of new and perhaps they need to dig in further. And actually integrating data from different sources is extremely helpful in this case because a single fact from a single database might not have such a vast, um, let's say, weight in uh, decision-making processes. While having that confirmation and having this, uh, let's say, peer review or confirmation from another source uh, in addition to the first one is actually bringing strength. It's bringing more evidence. And this is truly crucial in uh, critical decision-making processes because uh, that's how people can gain uh, trust and that's how they can move on knowing that the risk in their decision is actually lowered. Um, this is particularly important for early drug R&D where people screen a lot of uh, data. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. And uh, one decision can cost billions of dollars and years after that. One of the things that always fascinating me as I spend learning with this target discovery is it truly is the, the the linchpin for effective drug discovery. And what I have found very interesting as I've learned from Martina and the rest of the team is the challenge of doing this target validation is that you've got all these different places. It sounds relatively simple until you start thinking about all the different interactions that go on, all the different targets that have a role either in the disease or in the, you know, the, the, the addressing of the disease. And then using the graph technology to find those synergies across the different parts of that 
in order to 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 create that drug identification. So to me, that's just that that using the graph to have those those structured relations between all that uh, and unstructured relations. We don't talk about the unstructured data as much. That's again to, to me, it's just pretty. It's fascinating. So um, the fact we can use AI to help to speed the process through the graph is also just to me, it's just really neat stuff. I think it would be interesting to share a little bit more, Martina, about how knowledge graphs and the work that we're doing with target discovery is really revolutionizing healthcare and maybe some of the challenges that we really help to focus address. Um, I think it'd be great to share more of that with, with this audience. So uh, the people we work with are actually at the forefront of ph pharmaceutical innovation. And what they do is that they strive to deliver the best possible care to patients as fast as possible because we know um, how serious some diseases are and truly damaging to uh, people and their families. Uh, the main focus so far has been cancer and Alzheimer's for us, but we have seen that uh, we can actually help in diverse use cases, which is extremely important. I know you've mentioned when we've talked in the past that there are certain molecules that can become, as you say, an Achilles heel for respective diseases. And I'm wondering if you can elaborate a bit more on the challenges of isolating these molecules so you know which one does fit that description. So it's usually not just a single molecule that is involved in the disease uh, progression, but it's actually a whole process with a lot of different molecules playing a role. So we need on one hand side to help our customers decipher these pathological mechanisms, and on another hand side, to provide some sort of prioritization or focus to help them decide what to pursue further in a lab so that they can find the best possible treatment fast. And here is where our knowledge graph becomes really useful because we can map everything we know about these complex processes in a network, which kind of mimics the real process in our bodies. And then we can perform analytics on top of this network in order to see which of the nodes or molecules in this case play a vital role. We can extract knowledge about every single molecule in its role and decide how important it is in the particular context, say Alzheimer's or cancer, and also how it can play a role in a specific treatment. Uh, for example, immunological diseases. This is what one of our customers uh, does like immunological processes and how can we, for example, treat uh, cancer or uh, Alzheimer's with uh, by attacking the immune system. So mapping this and explaining uh, the disease in such a way first helps to derive insights way faster uh, because we can uh, truly find new relationships that are locked in data silos usually or locked in literature so we can combine it. Um, on another hand side, we actually help by providing deeper insights with higher confidence. And this is truly crucial because if we decide to treat the disease in the wrong way, this can be truly damaging to the patient's health. It could lead to a lot of unwanted reactions. So we don't want to provide the right treatment, but we don't also want it to be safe for the people that we're treating with. So confidence is another thing. And the third aspect is that we, we really need to do it faster and cheaper to now because right now uh, bringing a new drug to market costs approximately $2.6 billion and about 20 years. And yeah, we cannot do this to our uh, patients. They need a drug now. And yeah, we truly need to be more innovative in order to bring down these costs and make these treatments more affordable. So in the aspect of speed, what we do is to make this whole screening process completely automatic 
by providing tools in the hands of researchers that can be used to prioritize their knowledge. So we're using a convergence and divergence uh, kind of approach here where uh, we allow people to dig for the knowledge, but then also to decide out of all of this knowledge that they have gathered about the disease, um, what is truly the focal point and where should they direct their efforts in order to have a lasting and huge impact. This automation is actually one of uh, the best things that we have done because one of our uh, partners actually reported that they are now being able to innovate 580% faster. This is like six times faster. And another one of our customers reported that they do it even 10 times faster. So this is something amazing. If we can bring this time that is usually required to develop a drug from 20 years, even to 10 years, or perhaps even less, then this would be a huge success. Congratulations. That is a huge improvement and great feedback that you're improving the speed so much. Would you say that cost is the biggest barrier to speed and getting your solutions to the patients? I think it's actually mostly other factors. I mean, the cost comes with other things. Um, here you're talking about taking many decisions that are all very, very risky. So one of the major things is uh, how can we lower this risk? And here is another thing where knowledge graphs are extremely va valuable. Early in this uh, whole 20-year process, we have the so-called preclinical research where people usually work with a lot of different data. At this early stage, you can imagine it's sort of like a funnel. They develop many different hypotheses from which one they need to uh, decide what to pursue next. So at this early stage already, this critical decision what to pursue next is uh, already costly, um, but the other decisions following it may be even costlier. So even at this stage where a single study costs a couple of hundred of dollars, it's still important to take the right decisions and to lower the risk as much as possible, to be confident in which target to pursue or which drug to develop further, um, so the risking is, I think, the number one thing that we need to improve. And another thing is, of course, the innovation, because we do know a lot about biology, diseases, genes already, um, but there's still a lot to be uncovered. Uh, I think that almost all of the drugs that we currently know are targeting really only 15% of the biomolecules in our bodies, which is not so much. So there's still a lot to uncover there. And a lot of new mechanisms to pursue so that we can deliver even better and more efficient drugs to the patients. And apart from that, of course, speed, um, innovation and speed, they're interconnected because in order to be innovative, you need to iterate and to test fast. And even at this early stage in preclinical R&D, um, if you already nail the things that you should focus on, if you have done your research correctly, you'll be able to do these evaluations in the lab further way easier and way faster. And all of this, of course, leads by itself to reduction of the costs. It just comes naturally. You mentioned resources. I am curious, what technologies and programming languages are you using to probe through this data? That's a great question. Thank you. So the people that we are helping with are usually scientists, um, trans translational medicine experts. So in order for them to leverage all of this knowledge, they don't need any technical skills. They don't need any querying languages or something that is. They just have a UI, a simple a system that has all of this included, visual analytics. So they don't need that. 
Um, we do work with pharmaceutical companies who want to have more control. In this case, um, we also uh, use our technologies in a more programmatic way. So what usually happens is that these customers choose the data that they would like to use inside the systems that we provide. Uh, usually they come with their own data and they would like to contextualize it with publicly available one, such as uh, publications or patents, for example. Um, once we have uh, decided on the data sources to be used for the project, we create the knowledge graph. So the knowledge graph is this knowledge that we have in an organized way. So already interconnected and already ready to be analyzed. On top of that, we apply also various AI models, such as LLMs, but also other ones, such as BERT for NLP tasks. Um, and we use this to extract the knowledge from, uh, from unstructured uh, data. So we use it to extract data from patents or scientific publications or even clinical trials, depending on what our customer needs. Well, the data that is extracted is then also used to enrich the same knowledge graph. So we have a really rich knowledge base on which to step when doing our analytics. And this also leads to the next point, which is the analytics. Graphs offer immense possibilities. For example, we can use traversal algorithms. You can We can use other ML-based algorithms, for example, for finding similarity, which we often use in terms of protein similarity or finding similar chemical structures to already approved drugs. Um, then we can use it also to measure distances in networks and to see what is related to what in what way. And also importantly, to find really meaningful new relationships and to truly start mining that rich knowledge graph that we have. Everything that you're saying about the knowledge graphs and how they inspire confidence, do you think that that really helps with some of the trepidation that people have with sharing their data, especially sensitive data? I think people are getting way more comfortable with the idea of sharing their data for overall gain, whether it's their health or the collective benefit to society. Do you feel like knowledge graphs are helpful for, I guess, making people less scared of data sharing? It's just another great question that we see all the time asked at the conferences. Health data is the most sensitive type of data. At least according to GDPR, what we have here in Europe, it's a big topic. Um, and especially patients are not always eager to share their data exactly of what, because of uh, what you just said, that uh, it can be used against them, so to say. A lot of companies are working on this uh, issue and they're trying to give incentives to patients to share more because it can help to understand their disease better and to develop better drugs for them. And knowledge graphs is this thing where you can truly leverage a lot of data from a lot of patients and use it to find patterns. This can speed up the whole innovation potential in drug discovery as well. And this is one incentive. If the patient knows that they can be helped with a better drug and if this drug is accessible to them earlier than another one, then yeah, of course, that I think it would be a great incentive to share it. Um, and in terms of uh, security, this uh, also depends on a lot of uh, infrastructure because knowledge graphs can be used in various different uh, ways. I mean, I think one of the, the other things about target discovery that you know, I've heard about is, you know, like the, the you know, using provenance. I mean, we you know, we have to be able to track 
And you know, going back to what we talked about earlier with trust, you know, having trust in your data, all this messy data we've got. Can you share a bit about how using, you know, the graph technology, using what you're talking about, the target discovery and the domain knowledge, we can enable better provenance for our customers? I will give an example that we see at almost every company that we talk to. And this is how do I find um, what genes are related to a disease or what proteins are related to a disease. So uh, this data comes from many, many, many different sources. So we might be looking at mutations, or we might be looking at molecular pathways and interactions or uh, scientific publications. So what we do is that we map this knowledge in the knowledge graph, and we provide the so-called evidence scoring on top of it. We provide also quality metrics. So you can imagine it as some sort of uh, weighting algorithm or function that says, oh, this database, well, we trust it more than this other database. And the user in the end is provided with a score that clearly indicates how trustworthy a fact is. And if they want to dig deeper, a knowledge graph makes it really easy for them to say, where does this fact come from? So if we say that a single gene when mutated causes um, some type of cancer, then our users can dig deeper into that fact and see, okay, uh, is it a mutation or is it some disruption in an interaction or is it some citation like some lab just made this hypothesis? So this is where knowledge graphs also come in handy because they can help us to truly trace all the way how someone might end to this fact that this gene causes this disease. Let's turn the focus on the patients themselves. Do you think that they would ever experience their own data in the form of a knowledge graph, either supervised with their medical professionals or through some kind of online portal? We're doing this already on a project with different uh, universities. Um, it's a pilot project, but what we do is that we use our linked live data inventory uh, product to contextualize patient data. From data standpoint, it's exactly as you described it. The patient has their own sort of mini knowledge graph that can be used to interact with uh, via uh, some sort of a chatbot. So it's sort of merging here with LLMs and natural language querying. Um, but they can also interact with uh, doctors. So the doctor might be able to see something through that knowledge graph that uh, might help the patient. Uh, for example, they can connect the dots between certain drug that they have prescribed and a certain uh, adverse reaction that the patient has experienced. In that way, um, the, the care for the patient actually improves significantly because, again, uh, this is real-world real data from real patients. And uh, this can provide better confidence in the information that they see and the information that they also get from their doctors. I think the idea of patients being able to be less confused or alienated by their own healthcare could be they're interacting with their data in a way that makes sense to them. And if knowledge graphs can facilitate communication in a better way where the patient really does become the end user, that seems very exciting to me. How do these pharma companies and healthcare business network professionals, how do they differ in their interactions with you from other customers? One thing to mention here is that um, such organizations are very unhappy when they see some errors. So with them, the precision needs to be just very, very high which is also why we do these additional products like Link Live Data Inventory, where we can prepare the data and truly uh, use well-clean data, clear provenance, and 
um, truly, truly bring the data quality up for their use cases. Um, and another thing to mention here is that the domain we're working in is uh, very uh, specific. So having people from this industry who understand it, and as you said yourself at the beginning, speak the language is very important because oftentimes people, they are very deep into their own expertise and their own day-to-day. -day. They don't really understand the technology. So in order to bring it to them, we need to show them through their own expertise, how can it help them? So one way that we um, leverage our own subject matter expertise is that we can uh, speak in terms of how fast can they pass a certain clinical development phase? What efficiencies does this technology bring? Um, and this is in contrast to other industries, I guess, uh, where uh, they're dealing with different types of uh, problems or maybe people are a little bit more uh, tech-affine, so to say. Um, while for us, we really need to speak their language and truly have this expertise internally in order to communicate with our customers more efficiently. And I must also say that it's not really the classical sales processes. It's more sort of consulting them because each problem that they come up with is um, unique to their own company or um, their own um, domain. And we do try to tailor uh, all the solutions that we provide. And this is something that doesn't always apply. So sometimes there are solutions that are, uh, let's say, they can um, address more issues in the same time. But within what we do, there's no one size fit all. And this is also uh, what we do really well now. We customize the knowledge graphs. We, we allow every customer to use their own data and to uh, really mix and match the data sets that we provide. Uh, we help them to integrate their own analytics, their own visual tooling. Uh, we customize dashboards. We, we customize almost uh, all of the components from the target discovery product as well. Yeah, and I would just chime in thinking about maybe being at a trade show. Uh, for example, I've attended HIMSS and will be uh, attending again, which this is a healthcare life science, more uh, niche conference. And we definitely have a lot of people who come up to us and ask questions around, you know, could I potentially use a knowledge graph for this? Or this is my, this is the problem that I'm facing. Like, let's chat a little bit more. And we absolutely want, want to hear that and have those discussions to understand what, what they're looking for and how we could potentially solve some of their challenges that they're dealing with. To me, target discovery makes data real from a, What's the value of this? And the value could be obviously you know, huge millions of dollars, billions of dollars for drug companies. But you know, as Sam talked about to me, I just really see the value from the human perspective is that we we do all this data stuff for a reason, whether it's target discovery or financial services, other things we're involved with. Uh, we, we ultimately do it in order to make life better for something, whether business or person or you know, the technology we do it for a reason. And I think target discovery really anchors this with a very real life reason. All these healthcare professionals who might have previously just shunned the idea of these new data technologies really getting integrated into their practices, being able to warm up to the idea of something like LLMs because the knowledge graph would help them feel more comfortable, realize that data is intuitive, realize that their brains do actually function this way and that it's not just based on nothing. It's rooted in how the brain thinks. 
I can see knowledge graphs being really helpful in that way. And it's cool that you can, you know, help people make those connections and understand at live events where people can come up and actually just ask these questions. It's really incredible to be able to see how this technology and solution can really potentially help, again, bring life-saving drugs to people much faster. So I think we're providing the knowledge and the context that organizations need. And again, their proprietary data and being able to combine that with large language models, it's just a key to success for being able to break down those data silos, structured and unstructured data and streamline and, and scale to meet your, your business goals at the end of the day. I want to bring it back to the beginning of talking about semantics and graph technologies and large language models. You can make these easier to enrich and to consume and understand so that you can bring the value of that data to a broader public, which is what I think knowledge graphs are, are so great about. And I know that in one of our last broadcasts we did, uh, I think it was Teddy, who talked about the fact that she sees knowledge graphs as catalysts for new ways of thinking about data and organizing it and accessing it, uh, getting better access to content. Talking about LLMs, they're really a powerful two powerful models. Um, what they're really good at is yeah, putting in the next word in a sentence. And what knowledge graphs help with is to actually come up with the meaning of this next word. Combining these two for real world use cases like target discovery is um, actually a game changer because that way we can address real world problems. It's not just technology for optimizations, but it's also technology in order to drive innovation and uh, truly find out things that are going to work in the real world. And that will have a lasting impact, such as finding the next drug or finding the next disease mechanism that will help us to help patients on the other end who are waiting for their treatment. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for your insights and for engaging with me in the future, maybe even the near future. I think it would be really cool to dive into what strategies in terms of data processing specifically have worked for target discovery and which ones haven't. A lot of our jobs as data scientists are trial and error intensive. And I know that my audience as well as myself would want to know just which approaches can be good for which projects as we build our portfolios, as we contribute to real changes in areas such as life sciences and healthcare. If you enjoyed this episode as much as we did making it, there will be several posts of it on LinkedIn on both my page and Decayo Data's company page. Feel free to ask any questions, to give your feedback, your comments, your expertise if you're in the healthcare field. We want to hear it all. Definitely check out ontotext.com. The site has so much more information than we were even able to cover here about what amazing work they are doing. And stay connected because this might be the first episode of DataFem for 2024, but we have a lot more content coming your way that you're going to love.